UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California, here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. It is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez. Pearl, how are you? I am amazing. TJ, thank you for asking. How are you? I'm pretty great. I'm better that you're here. We were trying to do some like last minute tests before we went on the air and it got the, the better of me. I had some technical issues and you were like duck facing and taking photos for your Instagram. And some mm-hmm. reason that was just like complicating things for me. Your, uh, your photo shoot, your impromptu photo shoot in front of me was very distracting, Pearl. Okay. I'm Stop sorry. It. Next time, next time I'll, I'll just punch you. I don't know what to- to tell you i don't want you to do that we're going to be together uh in like 10 days or less or something oh my goodness man me too i'm very excited i'm also very excited for this fight card which is coming up i keep saying saturday night because it's like ingrained in my body to say saturday night but it is saturday afternoon and starts saturday morning jan blahovich defending his title against the aforementioned glover Teixeira. when you look at this fight it's really the the two best 205 pounders not named john jones and we can't really talk about john jones being the best 205 pounder in the world because he's not a 205 pounder anymore and you look at blahovich i mean he, he did really well against israel adesanya so well that i feel like that fight almost gets glossed over because it wasn't a super competitive fight and it wasn't one where izzy was sort of left in, in a a heap of you know dominated mess it, it was jan blahovich clinical uh tactical and and decisive in his victory and it was almost I to his detriment it. pearl like i feel like I feel like Blahovich doesn't get the actual sort of uh, respect that he deserves, uh, you know, following that that fight over uh, Israel Adesanya. So, like, my question is, what did the Adesanya win say about Blahovich? Because I feel like he's not getting the shine, the respect that he deserves for dominating the UFC's middleweight champion who moved up to his weight class. I think that, it, to me, the biggest, most impressive part of this was his ability to adapt in this fight. Adesanya is an amazing striker. We know that. Very tactical. I mean, just just ahead of his time, especially in his own division. And to come up to a heavier division where generally you're, you're, the fighters are going to be a little slower. They're packing much more power. They're packing much more weight. So they're, they're technically a little slower. I mean, they have lots of power, but they do not have the ooh, ooh, hold on, ooh, ooh, elusivity. Elusiveness? Excuse me, elusivity. Uh, is that a word? Frankie, producer Frankie, look that up, please. Is elusivity a word? If it's not, it is now. It is. It's right next to, uh, what was what was your word for evolution? Evolution. Evolvement? Evolvement. Evolvement and and elusivity. So he does, you would think he didn't didn't have the, damn, now I just fucked up. What's the word again? Elusivity? Elusivity, there we go. Elusivity is out of side you. Okay. Jan came forward. And he took him down and he took him and he put him in his world despite the movement. And I mean, Adesanya didn't just like lay over for him. Adesanya is very difficult to deal with, very hard to take down. An amazing striker, looked incredible, by the way, in that fight. You could tell he was at his natural weight, looked strong, you know, and he and, and Jan came in and let it be known. I let it be known. I'm the king here. And uh, this is this is my division. And I think that that was a huge statement for him. I don't know if, if the if he's not necessarily getting the credit 
that he deserves because he is, he's, he's the champ. He's the Polish power. Um, but I love what, what impresses me the most about him is his ability to adapt in the moment. And he adapts in his fights. As we see here, you, th- that left hand, I mean, he didn't load it. He didn't set it up. It was in transition, landed it, boom, took the lights out. Same thing with the fight we saw previously with him uh, in the, the rear naked choke. Right. That was a great grappler that was coming to take him down. So he's just very great at adapting in the moment, and I think that's one of his biggest attributes. Uh, looking at uh, the word elusivity, not a word, not in any dictionary. <laughs> However, Frankie has added it to the urban dictionary for you, Pearl. And I Thank think you. that we can come out with a just like, you know how like some people have like a, you know, a fashion line. I, I think you can yeah. have a fashion line. I think you're definitely qualified for that. But we could also have like a vocabulary line and put yeah. elusivity under that Pearl Gonzalez line of vocabulary. I love it. See? So there we go. Here we go. It's now in the dictionary. The there urban dictionary. Which is like Wikipedia, yep, which, perfect. you know, can be modified by anybody. So yep, why not? Absolutely. Just and run you know with what? it. It now has elusivity in there. Right. Uh, elusivity might be a tactic that Glover Teixeira wants to employ on Saturday. Uh, he's a guy, oh, Pearl, man. that, you know, for whatever reason, takes a lot of punishment at times. But it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's punishment that he can endure and weather. And when he gets to the other side, you better have all of your faculties as far as cardio is concerned. Because Glover is not finished when he's still fighting you might think he is you might think that the fight is just about over but glover will take your neck or he'll take your arm or he'll punch your lights out uh my question is can can glover essentially weather a blahovich storm and make it to the other side and claim the ufc's light heavyweight championship that way absolutely can he yes it is a very very tough uh, challenge in front of him, but if there is any one more fit for this, it's Glover Teixeira. I mean, how long has he been in the UFC? He he just turned 42 today, so happy birthday, Glover! And you know, he's just he's climbed through this. He's really, I think his last title fight was 2014, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe that's correct. And, and he's just been climbing since then, climbing the rankings. And yes, he has had he's had some fell short and had some losses and suffered some big knockouts, but he's come back. He's on an incredible run right now. There is no better time for Glover Teixeira to, to try to um, an attempt to, to do something kind of impossible. I mean, 42 years old to become a champion. How incredible is that? Would, would that, would that make history there? If he does I, I believe champion? it would. I, I don't, I, wow. it comes down to Randy Couture. I believe Randy Couture may have captured the, uh, UFC heavyweight title against Tim Sylvia when he was 43. He might be the oldest champion. But the bottom line is this, Pearl. When you look at what Glover Teixeira has done throughout his career, I mean, I'm not playing favorites, but it's hard not to sort of pull for Glover Teixeira on Saturday mm-hmm. because he does have that Cinderella-type story. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the show open. This man may have been a UFC champion had he had the opportunity to fight for that title prior to John Jones getting into the UFC because Glover was UFC ready, but visa issues and things like that kept him outside of the octagon. He still made it to now multiple title fights, which says a lot about his talent and skill, but it's hard not to be a mixed martial arts fan and know the story of Glover Teixeira and not in your heart of hearts go, you know, I'm going to smile if the man gets his hand raised and a bell wrapped around his waist. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he and he's improved tremendously over the years. And let's also not forget his what's the word? Hold on, hold on. Give me. Let me. Oh, uh, another one coming to the line of vocabulary from Pearl <laughs> Gonzalez. His resume of his grappling. I mean, right. this is in a one of the best grapplers. Hands yeah. Down in the UFC. I mean, he comes in, he takes you down. The way he transitions through the body, the way he transitions through over the body and through these different positions is like, it's almost effortless for him at times. And he's able to really capitalize on it. His ground and pound is insane. His elbows are like ferocious. They're deadly. I mean, he's, he's got amazing ground and pound. So if he takes you down, if, if he can get past your striking, you are in a lot of trouble with Glover Teixeira. She's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. We are live on Facebook as well as Twitch. If you want to share your thoughts on the uh, fights coming up this weekend, you can give us a call, 917-UFC-TALK is the number, 917-832-8255. If you are on Twitch right now, uh, just throw a question in the chat, and we will get to it uh, as soon as possible. Uh, Again, talking about our main event, which features a light heavyweight championship between the defending champion, Jan Blachowicz, and the challenger, over to Sherry. You know, there's that old saying that you take down a black belt, you punch them in the face, they become a brown belt and then a purple belt and then a blue belt. Like with, with Glover, you just like start adding stripes to his jujitsu when you punch him in the face. I swear. Because he, he he's never out of it. And for, right. for, for Jan, I think that is really the most dangerous part of this fight is to not get too aggressive because if you turn it up a little bit and think that, okay, I'm going to finish it right here and I'm going to gamble maybe and, and push the pedal to the metal, if you get to the other side of that onslaught and Glover is still defending, he's coming for you. He's going to wrap your neck up. Right. He's going to take your belt. It's tough. It's, he's I mean, gonna I, wrap your neck up. He's going to put you flat on the canvas. He's going to slowly work his way up your body. And then he's going to beat you like you're his, like you're his, I don't know. It rhymes with switch and twitch. <laughs> See? That was our guy. That yeah. That's why we work well together. Exactly, though. I mean, he's he's going to beat on you. He's not making any movements that are unnecessary. He's very, very meticulous on the ground. So you do. It, it's a very deadly and and interesting fight. It's like it's it's the traditional grappler versus striker. Now, Jan, at any given point, can land one shot and put the lights out. We've seen it over. And look at that. Out, done, son. I mean, he's terrifying. When he lands, I mean, he's backing up when he throws that left hook. Right, right. He's not even completely planted, but this is his ability to adapt in the moment. And that is, again, like, to me, the most impressive attribute that Jan has. He does have great striking. He has incredible power. But his ability to adapt in these moments and really, look at that, look at that right hand. Saw it, timed it, boom. It was over. It was over for him. And... You know, he's such a fun character, too. So, of course, everyone wants Glover to win, and he has this great Cinderella story. But Yana is an amazing champion, too. He's hilarious. He's funny. He does really cool stuff, shit off of outside of training, you know, to keep his mind off of it. You can tell he's a very easygoing guy. I don't know if you've seen, but he, like, jumps in into the uh, frozen lakes to, to do. That's how he does his uh, ice baths, is jumping in, in the freezing cold. I mean, you, you and you and I are both from climates where you can literally, like, chainsaw a hole in a lake and jump in if you really want to. But I don't know why anybody yeah, would no. really want to. Like, why would, would you want to do that? ever do that. He does. Yeah. He enjoys it. 
No one enjoys that. No one enjoys that. Your body is shutting down and going into hypothermia. Like you can, yeah, I'm a tough guy. No, your body is telling you that you're about to die. Exactly. And here he is. He's standing in it waist deep and he's just hitting it to get so he can get in all the way. No problem at all. I mean, it's insane. He's he's hilarious. Both of these gentlemen just they have great personalities. They're such great representations of the sport. I mean, hands down, we are in for a treat regardless for this this uh, main event here because both gentlemen are the shit. I like that. I like that. I mean, that's true. They really are. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic main event coming up on Saturday evening, afternoon, depending on where you are. And the title tilt does not stop there. It is not just a one championship fight card. There is an interim Bantamweight title on the line. We will see uh, the former king, Peter Yan, take on Corey Sandhagen. When you look at uh, this fight, uh, it, it almost feels like it's not an interim championship because, yes, Peter Yan lost his belt. Yes, the uh, king at 135 is Aljamain Sterling. But Peter Yan was dominating that fight until he made a mistake. And he, he did something illegal, and he lost his title for it. I mean, there was no wrongdoing there. Peter Yan made a gigantic mistake, and he paid the price for it. But, again, we know how devastating this man is at 135 pounds. And he is back to essentially retake his title against Corey Sandhagen. My question, though, Pearl, is when you look at at Peter Yan and and the fact that he is this king that is sort of uncrowned to a certain extent because he lost his belt, can he beat Corey Sandhagen and sort of restore that championship status with an interim tag on it? Will will the world feel like Peter Yan is the best bantamweight in the world if he gets an interim belt opposed to the undisputed championship on, on Saturday? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like you said, in that fight, he was, he was doing very well in that, in that championship fight. Unfortunately, what, for what happened, this is where we are. And, and now he's fighting for an interim champion, but it doesn't take away from his domination prior. It right. doesn't take away from his skills and, and also what he was doing in his last, in his last uh, defense. So yes, absolutely. He, he does restore it. However, he has a little bit more to fight through. He, he's got to fight through that adversity from that, that comes along with his last fight, that comes along with his name right now. So there is a, there is a little bit more for, for Peter Yan to fight. And, and I, you know, I think that he's going to come out aggressive. And he has a, he's got a chip on his shoulder because of it. And uh, he's got to prove that. He's got to prove that he's the king here and uh, that, that the situation, the last fight, was a mistake and that he's learned and he's much better from it. And so I, I, I believe we may see a more ferocious um, and, and just, you know, uh, Peter Jan, um, what's the word, like P- 2.0. Right. Um, and that's what's funny. You, you mentioned that a Peter Jan 2.0, to, to a certain extent, he hasn't really changed. He hasn't done anything necessarily to not, you know, prove that, that he is still very much the, the best Bantamweight in the world. In order to put all arguments to bed, he's going to have to beat Aljamain Sterling at some point down the road. But it's Corey Sandhagen that is in front of him. And when you look at Corey Sandhagen, I mean, he, he has momentum on his side. There are not too many fighters that will come into a championship bout having lost their last fight, period. But when you look at Sandhagen and, and really what happened in, in his last fight, people thought that he won his last fight with TJ Dillashaw. It was a split decision. One judge that night yes. in the building thought that Sandhagen did enough. And many people ec- echoed those sentiments uh, online that were fans. So this fight, while it is Sandhagen fighting for a championship uh, after a loss, 
I, I still think you have to watch out for this man because he, he's coming off of wins over Marlon Moraes, Frankie Edgar, and, and again, a, a fight that was very close with TJ Dillashaw. Some people thought he won. Uh, I think Corey Sanhagen is incredibly dangerous. 100%. This man is so skilled on the feet. I mean, if you saw the way that he put out Frankie, that was impressive. The ability to time, he's got so much movement. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He's unorthodox. You know, he's throwing strikes from all over the place. I mean, he's just such a, a phenomenal striker. And what was what's really interesting to me about this whole situation here is even after that fight with TJ Dillashaw in his post-fight interview, he told the media, I'm going to be champion. I, I still believe 100% wholeheartedly that I'm going to be the champion. And here we are. Here, Next fight, here we are. He's fighting for a title. And so that shows that the, the will, the, the uh, dedication, the perseverance that this man has and how determined he is to become a champion. I, this is a huge fight. And he is longer. He is lankier. He is elusive and, and, and creates these openings and, and puts positions himself in these perfect places where he can strike and hit and get out of the way. And, uh, you, you know, we're, we're in for a great another great fight. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm incredibly uh, excited about it. And I like the style matchup uh, mm-hmm. between Jan and, and Sandhagen. And, and I'm curious, when you look at Sandhagen, he's quite a bit uh, longer uh, than um, uh, yeah. uh, Jan. So does he have to rely on that? Is, is that something that he's going to have to exploit in this fight if he wants to push Jan and, and get him into uncomfortable situations? I think that that is a uh, it, it can be an advantage to him. The the also the other difference between these two fighters is Jan is much more uh, how do I say he, he's he's stationary right not stationary but he's 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 lower as center of gravity. Okay. There's not too much hopping and popping from him. He's moving, but his feet are always grounded, which is why he packs so much power. He's he's just digging constantly digging. Corey is a much more elusive fighter. He does throw these flying knees and and jumping this and spinning that and so it, it they they are two completely different strikers both equally talented very, very dangerous and as you can see here like he's dynamic and he creates these opportunities out of nowhere and um peter is one of those that's in your face he's not backing down he's coming and he's coming devastatingly so i hope that's a word <laughs> But anyways, yes, I, this is a great fight, and I believe that it boils down to yes. Does he does he have an edge, and maybe potentially uh, with with his reach? But what it boils down to, this is going to be a ch- chess match between these two men: is who can get the better positioning and who can land the shot. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's that's the that's the burning question. We're going to find that out, and we're going to have uh, twenty five minutes in which to find that out. And uh, it, it's an interim championship. I've seen some people sort of complain about the fact that it's an interim uh, championship. That maybe you know we should allow more time for for Sterling to get back and and get back into uh, the octagon. But I mean, if the alternative is to put an interim title on the line and ensure five rounds for two elite bantamweights to fight. What are you complaining about? Like, really? I was just going to say, I'm not complaining. This is an amazing matchup. I mean, we're going to literally witness some of the best striking in the UFC on Saturday. 
So I'm not complaining about this fight. This, this is a really fun fight, and and we're gonna see we're gonna see some strategic some strategic you know an adaptation. Like there's just gonna be so much in the striking area that we are in for on Saturday between these two because both I believe at some point are gonna have some amazing moments in this fight. Yeah, no, 100, percent and uh, I I can't wait to see it. It's uh, worthy of being a headlining fight. It's a co-headlining fight though from Abu Dhabi and uh, we're going to take it in live uh, this Saturday, all part of UFC 267. Uh, I'm TJ DeSantis. She's Pearl Gonzalez. This is Extra Rounds here, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. We are live on Facebook and Twitch. You can also give us a call. 917-UFC-TALK is the number. That is 917-832-8255. Time to go out to our Twitch line for the very first time. Um, This is uh, our default question. It's not the right question. Uh, We'll We'll fix that here in a moment. Um, but uh, le- actually, let me just tell you what it is, because like I said, we had some uh, technical issues uh, today, unfortunately. But uh, the the question at hand uh, revolves around our lightweight bout against oh uh, Islam Makashev and Dan Hooker. We're talking about five rounds. Uh, Gulo underscore Gulo on Twitch wants to know whether or not this fight should be a five round affair. Um I mean, anytime you have high-level athletes fighting one another, Pearl, I'm never going to be mad at the idea of it being a, a five-round fight. Uh, there's this old uh, promotion in Japan called Shudo. You might know it as, you know, Shudo Brazil. There was an offshoot of that. Uh, but Shudo had different uh, class systems. So if you were a class A fighter, you were afforded things that class B fighters weren't allowed to do, like like elbows or, or longer rounds. If you were class C, you were uh, uh, basically an amateur fighter. So you only fought uh, three three-minute rounds. I believe that there is something to that in the modern landscape of of mixed martial arts in the UFC that if you made it to the top five or top ten, maybe you should be afforded the option to make your fights be five five minute rounds. I mean, this is 100 percent. a It could potentially be a a main event, an exciting fight. Right. This is such an exciting fight. Right. But. With what you know, with with what's going on in the world, this is it's an international fight, and this is where it needs to be. And then this is the day it's on. And unfortunately for us, we we only get three rounds of this fight. This fight is so exciting. If here's Islam here, who's come into the UFC and is just dominating, dominating. I mean, this man is so look at look at his ability to feel the energy to put you down at will and to beat on you to beat on you and, and control you. I mean, this man is com- purely domination. And, and obviously, um, I don't, he's not a brother, but he's a v- very, very close to uh, Habib. I mean, and, I, I, and, I bet you they call each other brother. That's what I, I was going to say. They're, I, they're brothers, but not, you know. Right, not literally. Um, ex- exact. thank you, thank you. But this is such an exciting fight because he is one of those fascinating fighters that just burst the scene and just coming in and just... Sh- Exactly. Uh huh. You know what I mean. Put That's that on exactly a T-shirt and sell it. Part of the the yeah. fashion and vocabulary line. How did you? I don't. Is that how you made that noise? I don't want to get hit with one of those. I'll tell you that right now. Um, you know. You know. I'm curious when when you look at this fight, Pearl. Um, Makashev is a huge favorite against Dan Hooker, mm-hmm. six and a half to one. And, you know, I understand the pedigree. You know, he does train and he's very close with Khabib. And Khabib is the epitome of perfection in modern day mixed martial arts. 
But Dan Hooker is a tough guy to beat. And I know oh I know that he, yeah. you know, kind of got knocked off his throne not too long ago when he w- was fighting Michael Chandler. But Dan Hooker's a guy that I don't think anybody really says, you know, I want to fight him. Dan Hooker is a perfect stylistic matchup for me. You might believe that because fighters have to believe in themselves. But Dan Hooker is no easy out for anyone. Prior to that, to that fight, was he on a four or five fight win streak? All of those wins by knockout. I can tell you here in just uh, one second. Um, I mean, Hooker was in contention for fighting for a title, and there's a reason Michael Chandler got that win and then ultimately fought for uh, a, a title. Um, looking at uh, Hooker, he won his uh, last three prior to dropping a fight to Dustin Poirier and then Chandler. Oh, yeah, uh, so he had back-to-back fight. losses. So, But again, like even the Poirier fight said more about Dan Hooker in a positive manner than I think it did in a negative manner because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're only talking about the second-best lightweight in the world, and some may argue yeah. the best yeah. lightweight in Dustin Poirier. We're going to find out on December 11th. But, uh, yeah, like, again, Dan Hooker, I don't know. Uh, he's, a, he's a tough out. Oh my goodness! And he, listen, Dan Hooker had just—he went—he was in a fight. He recently had a fight. Looked incredible. Knockout, correct? Was the reason? Uh, yes, he beat uh, Nasrat Hakparas, but it was a decision. Right oh my god! If you watch the way he set this up, if you replay it, he sets this left hand up. So he comes in at first with the same—the same combination—and then pulls it. Look at this knee. I mean, he. This dude is. Another amazing striker. He's dynamic. He he positions you where he needs you, and then here comes the knee. By the way, that's Jim Miller, the guy who's fought more than anyone else in the UFC's history. That's awesome. You know, like that's he just, he, he's a beast. Yes, he is, and he it's his to me his he's so impressive with his positioning and his striking. I mean, he puts you in great places, and he can submit you. The, the, the most fascinating thing, though, I would say about Dan Hooker right now is so he, he had a fight recently. He was over here, I believe, in the United States, had some issues and, and um, had to quarantine, decided to stay here after being in quarantine for, I think, a month. He's away from his he's, he's spent so much time away from his family throughout this um, throughout the pandemic and has still just he just took this fight and was like, I'm going I'm going to, you know. This is where I'm at. This is what I want. This is the priority in my life right now is I want to be the best. I want to fight for this belt. And uh, it's impressive because he's taken so much time away from his family. He's, he was in isolation, I think, 22 days straight. Or, right. Crazy. Well, if you remember, I, I interviewed him because he had to move into the gym because he couldn't train otherwise. You weren't allowed to leave your house in, in uh, New Zealand. Right. That's what I mean. I mean, this, this man is so determined, so so dedicated to his craft. Like, if there's anybody that can pull off something impossible and make something incredible happen, it's Dan Hooker. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too. I don't know what his status uh, is as far as when the last time he was home, I don't think he's returned home since his fight at UFC 266, um, which can go a lot of different ways. And, And one thing that I admire a lot about Dan Hooker is he looks at this sort of adversity and, and this discomfort and, and inconvenient thing of not being able to go home and, and be with his family in, in his in his gym his as baby. an opportunity to go out and make himself a better fighter. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that this guy contemplated retirement. Like, he thought that maybe he right. was done after right. losing to Michael Chandler. And, you know, so far, so good. He's gotten the, the win uh, over Hack Parast, uh, you know, like a month ago, a little over a month ago. And now he's taking on Islam Makashev, where 
I mean, right after. Right well, after you you tell me if I'm I'm out of line here, Pearl. But if if he beats Mikashev coming up on Saturday, I feel like he's exactly where he was when he fought Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, as far as the hierarchy is concerned, at 155 pounds. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, back to back, back to back UFCs. Um, completely committed to this. Wants to be back. He's like, I'm just myself. I love to fight. If I, I, he's planning on taking another fight before year's end. I mean, we're in November. We're basically yeah. in November. I mean, he's so, basically planning on coming out against uh, a man who is one of the best in the world, relatively unscathed, and fighting again in the next eight weeks. Yes, that's. I mean, that's his. That's his mindset right now. He knows this is his time. He must be feeling amazing. Things, everything must be clicking in his his camp and in his life. Period. And, uh, and he knows, let me take advantage of it. Let me take these risks. Let me, let me go now. And uh, it, that's amazing. And, and, and that's when greatness happens. That's when these um, incredible, amazing moments happen is when you take risks like this and, and you go. And uh, how, how, what would we, what's the conversation going to be like if he does happen to pull this off? on Saturday. It's going to be hard to deny him from a, a title eliminator type of fight. And I mean, I'm all for it, but Islam Akashev also incredibly difficult, 20 wins, one loss, yeah. um, you know, phenomenal standing right now in, in the UFC. But that said, Pearl, it, it goes back to that topic of why, why is Mikashev such a big favorite against hooker? Like, I don't, I don't want to say that Mikashev can't win. And I'm not saying that anybody should bet their money on Islam Mikashev or, or bet your money on Dan Hooker. I just don't feel at six and a half to one odds that Mikashev is, is that much of a lock in this fight. It's Dan Hooker. You know, I, I think it's his ability to control the fight and the way that he controls the fight. He can bring you in close. And if he gets his hands on you, which we know that he very well will, right? And, and if he gets hands on you and you don't get out of that what's what's going to happen you're going to get beat on for 15 minutes if you cannot escape his his takedowns and his ground control which is clearly some of the best control that we've seen ever ever in the sport yeah yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, how it shapes up coming up on Saturday. I cannot wait to uh, watch it live. It is UFC 267 from Abu Dhabi, Etihad Arena. Um, it, it's going to be phenomenal. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about how you can take it in in an alternative uh, type of experience uh, with Pearl Gonzalez and I. Uh, as well. Um, I got a uh, text here from someone asking us if we saw the joke that Peter Yan made uh, at the open workout. Have you seen this? Yeah, I did. I mean, let's let's take a look at it because like I'm of two minds. Like I, I think that it's sort of funny, but I could also see how it's maybe somewhat disrespectful to the champ and Aljamain Sterling, but let's take a look at it. This was uh, from the open workout. Uh, Peter Yan uh, doing his work here, hitting some pads, and uh, look at that. Knee to the head. Rounded opponent. Illegal. That's how he lost his title. And uh, the champion was quick to respond when he saw it. Aljamain Sterling said, hilarious, don't lose another belt. What were your thoughts when you saw this? Uh, I think that he's bringing light to, I don't I don't think it's disrespectful at all. I think that it's very apparent what's in the air surrounding him. Again, like I said, Peter is not just fighting this fight. He has to fight the, the, the 
right from the last fight right and because of that i mean he's so he's fighting all of that the negative all of the the uh what's the word what's the word like uh, controversy thank you thank you oh my god you're the best okay so he's fighting all the controversy from the last fight he's got to take that into this fight and he can pretend like it's not there but we all know it's there i'm sure he's been asked every single interview or anybody that's talking to him is asking about it 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 gets brought up daily for him on his social media so he's bringing light to it and he's saying look I, okay, and, and him and Al Jermaine have been going back and forth, and that's just that's also him just pissing off Al Jermaine a little bit too and playing that game. But more to me, what I see is that he's bringing light to what, what can't be put in the dark. So right. why hide it? Right. Why, it's the elephant in the room. Right. Yeah. It, to me, it's funny. It is funny because he's like, fuck, I fucked up. Uh, but here I am. I'm here, and I'm going to prove I'm the king still. Despite this controversy. It's funny as long as nothing like that happens again. Because if anything remotely (laughs) close to that happens again, then I don't know what people are going to think. And and I think Aljamain's response where he says, hilarious, don't lose another belt. Like, I think he's being serious. I think he even admits, look, it's funny. You have to embrace your flaws. And, you know, that was something. I mean, trust me, Pearl. No one knows how to embrace their flaws quite like this guy. All right. Um, but I will tell you when you do it and you get over it and you make everyone feel like they're part of the joke, you're going to win over people. It's going to be something right. that you can move on and, and be better from. And, and that's all you can do, especially in this sport is take a, a negative, turn it into a positive and, and move forward. And so be I, in the moment more, more importantly, be in the moment, right? This sport is really, it's, it's being in the moment. Right. And he's bringing complete light to it. Like, yeah, it happened. It happened. It didn't go away. And here I am. I'm still here. I'm still, I'm still going to be the champion. So I think that that is uh, it's a big, it's a big tell of where he is mentally. You know, he's, he's not running and ashamed or, uh, you know, ashamed of his mistake. He's owning it. If anything, he's owning it a hundred percent and saying, I'm past this shit. Let's get to, let's fight. I'm ready. And you have to. I mean, it's just something that you have to do. And and also, too, this is a sport where if you're carrying any sort of stress or baggage, it can affect you in a, in a negative way. I mean, the last thing you want to do is let the outside uh, influence of perception bother you. I remember Tim Sylvia, you know, former UFC heavyweight champion. He hated the fact that people just didn't like him for whatever reason. Like when he would make that walk and people would boo him, it tore him up inside. You know, same thing for for other athletes in in MMA. John Jones, to a certain extent, has been that guy. And then you saw John sort of embrace the the heel character, kind of be the the controversial figure who you know, instead of trying to say, "No, guys, I'm I'm really the good guy. I'm the hero." He he embraced you know being being the heel and being the bad guy. And when when you do things like that, you sort of turn everything on its head. And I think that's incredibly important. Absolutely. It really is. There's a great book by Tim Grover called Relentless. And he talks about this. He talks about, uh, you know, he was a trainer for Michael Jordan for 20 years. He trained Kobe Bryant. Um, I mean, just this phenomenal trainer. And he kind of breaks down the characteristics of the elites, the greats, and the, you know, the betters or the, you know, and so he kind of breaks down the different characteristics and, and to really be the elite of the elite, you have to own all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. The minute that you start to give into that, that that's when, when you're, you start to give in a piece of you. And so I think that is exactly what Peter Yan is doing. Is he's owning 100% of who he is, flaws and all. 
That brings me to uh, another matchup coming up on, on Saturday that I'm not exactly sure what we should expect. It is uh, the return of Hamzat Shemaev. He takes on the number 11th ranked welterweight in Li Jingliang. Um, the reason that I say I'm not exactly sure what to expect from Shemaev is, you know, he came in with such a uh, huge boost of momentum behind him last year. And then he uh, dealt with COVID and, and even made a tweet that said he was walking away and that he was no longer going to compete in, in mixed martial arts. And that has been put to bed. He comes back here uh, on Saturday, is primed to really push himself right back into contention at the highest level, um, you know, taking on a, a ranked opponent in, in uh, Li Jingliang. But when you think about what Shemaev has gone through outside of the octagon, what should we expect from him? Because it's a it's a big deal when you say, look, I'm done fighting. And especially when you say that right after you finally have just basically arrived in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Well, I think that he was dealing with a lot of issues with COVID and being sick and, and just physical uh, challenges. And so, you know, I, maybe in the moment, you know, it was overwhelming and he, he went to his media and he said that and it was in the moment. But it doesn't discredit who he is as a fighter, his skills, his abilities. And we saw him come in and I mean, he, this dude is, is the real deal. And, um, you know, I think that uh, him in the retirement thing just might have been where he was as as an athlete. When you go through something where you're no longer you're unable to use your body and use your physicalities. I mean, it can really wear on you emotionally, mentally um, and and really break you. I mean, really break you down when an athlete, when you are unable to use what you are best at or, or your most valuable part of you that that hurts you lose purpose you know you lose you lose your your sense of your where well-being where you're at where are your goals at and so I think that that might have been more so that than anything else uh moving forward though here we are he's back uh I watched the the presser this uh, earlier today he looks like he's in great spirits I mean he was cracking jokes him and uh G- Li Jingliang there you go Li Jingliang we're kind of going back and forth um, I think he calls himself the bear right he's the bear I, f- I forget what his nickname was he was calling himself and then Ji Liang was calling himself the leech They're, oh the wolf the wolf is what Hamza was calling himself I'm a wolf I'm the wolf I'm hungry I'm ready to eat and uh, Lee was saying that he is a leech. And yes, he is also hungry, but he's thirsty. So it was like an interesting back and forth between these two gentlemen. I mean, this card is so stacked with so many great fights. And, and the, the best part about it is it's like an athlete from this part of the world, an athlete from that part of the world. And this is just one of those fights where you've got two international fighters that are the best, respectfully, in their own countries about to go at it. I'm really excited for this fight too. Yeah, no, I, I am excited to see Shemaev uh, return as well, because when you think about the, the, the three fights that he had, it all came within uh, really like a two month period, like a 34 or 64 day period. And when you look at that, 
I, I don't want to say that it got to Shemaev's head because I think he's an elite level fighter and I think he's stronger than that. But when you go from trying to get into the UFC to all of a sudden being the guy that everyone is talking, like he was supposed to fight Leon Edwards. You know, Leon's one of those guys yeah. that are at the tippy top of this yeah. title picture. And for Shemaev to come in and, and to be put in that situation, I'm not saying that it got to him, but I think that it can definitely put a lot on you. And then he has to go battle through COVID. And just during that time, I mean, you, you've dealt with covid you can't go anywhere you can't talk to anybody you're isolated you're quarantined and then you start to maybe overthink some people drink too much others think too much and i think that was shemaev to a certain extent and now everything's back in order and i'm excited to see what he can do against a, a top ranked welterweight in Li jing liang but i think we're gonna have a lot of questions answered where he's at because again he set the bar so high when he came into the ufc it might have been overwhelming to a certain extent, but now enough time has passed that it's time to, to pick up where he left off, and we'll see if he can do just that. Yeah, TJ, if you can put this into perspective, right? He comes on the he bursts on the scene. You just said he had three fights in, in sixty-four in months, days, right? Sixty-four, 64 days, two, days, two, two and two months. Sixty-four days. Okay, so he had three fights. Three fights. Some athletes don't get three fights in a year. It's true. Three fights in 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 two, two months. And he's, he's the most talked about fighter. I mean, he's got the top of the division turning him down or claiming no one wants to fight him. He's got the Dana talking about him. He's got everybody talking about him, right? And he's, he's there. And I don't know what it was like for him with his COVID situation, but I know for me, I was in the best shape. I was, I was prepared for a five-round title fight. I was three weeks out from my fight in phenomenal shape, tip-top nutrition, my training was on point. My body was, was great, you know, and my immune system was pumped. COVID came in and shut me down completely, shut me like to the point where I was having difficulties breathing and it affected me for like a month. So when you go from having, if you put it into perspective and you think about his, his Tom Smart, where he was in the UFC, here he's at the top of the list, getting ready to fight Leon to who knows if he was able to breathe or having issues with his lungs i know for me i was like fuck i might need to go to the hospital because i can't breathe and that's scary for an athlete who like literally trains their their breathing their lungs their their all of their organs daily to, to be better and so to me that is if you put that into perspective was it really too much pressure or was it where he was in the moment potentially with his with his COVID or with whatever physical issues that he was going through physically was that what had taken over? Because I think he loves the pressure. I think he loves the whirlwind that he brings. That's his style of fight anyways. Like, he's a whirlwind. So, like, right. I don't think that got to him at all. I think that was exactly where he wanted to be, where he envisioned himself for years, where he worked his ass off to get. I, I feel like it's more to do with him unable to use his body physically and just – being in a tough place in the moment right? and then what, tweeting about it. Which is exactly why it took everyone by surprise because he was, mm -hmm. the, you know, the new kid on the block in so many ways. And for him to even flirt with the idea of being done, I mean, it, it startled. It took a lot of people by surprise. And, I mean, you said it. That's what that's what COVID does to people. And, and it'll make you uh, reevaluate everything and, and make you feel like you're, you're fragile and helpless. And 
Uh, Hamza Shmaev is is anything but more often than not. He's not fragile or, or helpless, and I think we're going to find that coming up uh, on Saturday. Uh, I'm TJ DeSantis. She's Pearl Gonzalez. This is Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. On that COVID front, you will notice something different come Saturday. That is, Bruce Buffer will not be in Abu Dhabi. It'll be Joe Martinez. Um, people, I think, might know. I have a very close relationship with Bruce. You've been on Bruce's podcast, which, which I produce. Uh, Bruce had COVID, and uh, he's getting over it. He's doing much better, but but, uh, you know, it, it kind of broke the last couple of days that uh, Bruce is the latest person to, to go through it. And, uh, you know, just our thoughts are with Bruce. He's, he's pretty much on yeah. the other side of it. But, I mean, this man does not miss UFCs. Like, right. I remember he did a show one night. I think it was like on a, a Saturday night or a Wednesday night um, in Brazil and like turned around and got to. Uh, New Jersey or vice versa, something like that, where it was like 24 hours later, he he was working in a different hemisphere. And that's Bruce. Like, you're going to have to literally tie him up to make him miss a a show day. He's never missed one. This is the first time that he had to actually kind of call in sick. And uh, I mean, that that'll make you sort of reevaluate things when Bruce Buffer can't go to work. uh, It's pretty serious business, but uh, happy to say that Bruce, I think is doing a lot better. That's good to hear. I was going to say, I hope he's doing okay. Um, Bruce, if I was there and you're listening, I would make you the best hottie toddy ever with your Puncher's Chance whiskey because it would be great. I think it would be really good with like a chai tea. All right. I'm going to have to mark the time code, send that to Bruce, and it will definitely make his day, Pearl. Okay, great. You will be missed, Bruce, for sure. 100%. Um, If you are looking for some alternative ways to view UFC 267, we got your hookup coming up on Saturday. You can do the watch along live on Twitch and YouTube. It's going to be the former UFC lightweight champion, Jens Pulver, along with uh, Pearl Gonzalez and myself, TJ DeSantis. It starts live at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, I believe, on Twitch and YouTube. I mean, I, I... I love calling fights with you. This is a lot different. It's a lot more laid back, but this is going to be a lot of fun. You, me, Jens Pulver hanging out, watching one of the best uh, cards of the year. I mean, I'm thinking about wearing a bikini since I'm not at Fight Island, but I can pretend like I'm going to be at Fight Island. So maybe this is a great, like, poll we can do. No, no, Pearl, we're supposed to watch the fights, not watch you. No, we're not supposed to watch you. We're watch the fights. I mean. We're going to watch the fights, but I feel like I need to embrace the environment Okay. Right. right. And, and be on Fight Island too in a bikini. I feel like what other way would it, how else do you in, you know put yourself on Fight Island? I just got a text message here that says if Pearl wants to wear a bikini, don't stop her. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. You're right. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. All right. Pearl, wear a bikini. That is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Do you, do you have one? Do you have to go shopping? Like oh, uh No, 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 no. I have plenty. I have Okay. Like, it's so interesting because I don't have a winter jacket here. I'm still, like, getting my winter stuff here. It's fucking freezing in New York. This is my first winter in six years, and I every day contemplate what, I'm, what am I doing. But nevertheless, I brought four or five bikinis. Okay. And only, like, two hoodies. And two hoodies. So, I mean, like, that goes to – I was like, what the hell am I doing with all these bikinis? Like, I'm, I'm freezing here. Priorities. Freezing. I think it's priorities. It comes down to priorities. <laughs> And you have yours. I get it. Apparently. Yeah. Jeez. Well, make it your priority to tune in to the Watch Along Live on Twitch and uh, YouTube as well. Myself, TJ DeSantis, Pearl Gonzalez, Jens Pulver, uh, going to be live uh, for 
all the action um, coming out of UFC 267. One more matchup we need to talk about that you wanted to break down. Uh, yeah. It is a uh, strawweight contest between the number 10 ranked Amanda Hebos taking on Vina Janjadova. Um, this is a great fight. And one of those fights where, I mean, you, you can watch everything. This, this card isn't necessarily a pay-per-view per se, um, but this is on the preliminary no. portion. So you, 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 this is one you got to make sure you're in front of the television early and you do not miss. So this is a this is a big fight for the strawweight division uh, for several reasons. I'm, who are we looking at now? Amanda Amanda Rivas. Okay, she's 28. She's from Brazil, 115 pounds. She's a black belt in jujitsu and judo. Okay, she has been training. Her father is her trainer. She's been training. She was literally born into the sport. This the mat is all she is. What she knows. She is extremely technical in her skills. Um, she, a phenomenal Muay Thai phenomenal Muay Thai if you come at her if you get frustrated with her she's gonna throw you around you're going on a flight because she has incredible judo and throws and if she gets you down she can she can submit you we've seen it happen several times in her fights here she is currently 12 and 2 out of those she has three knockouts and four submissions so she's a very exciting fighter she comes in for the finish her two losses were by way of knockout okay so she's she's coming to fight she's game she, she's either coming to take you out or she's going to be taken out, kill or be killed. And that's what it's. And she's like the cutest, most adorable fighter ever. You see her here. She's, she's a beast. I mean, she outworked Mackenzie here, truly beat Mackenzie here in the grappling, beat her on the feet, threw her all over the place. I mean, hey. she was impressive against Mackenzie. And here. she does it with a smile too. You're right. She might be oh one of the, the happiest fighters I think in, in mixed martial arts. She has the bubbliest personality. She's always laughing. You can tell she's so grateful for fighting. She loves to fight. Like, she's the best personality ever. She's an adorable. Um, but let, let's go to Virna here. Now, Virna Janjirova, who is 17 and 2, okay, former, former Invicta champion. She's a beast. Out of her 17 wins, she's got 13 submissions, okay? She comes exactly. This is exactly what she does. She comes in. She's coming to take you down. She's coming to land some ground and pound. But ultimately, she's trying to position you and get a, and get a finish, which she has. And in this fight, she got, I believe she got a performance of the night for this one because she came in and put a clinic on, on Felice Herrick, who's a longtime veteran in our sport, okay? Um, her last fight, though, which was which – was, to me, one of her most impressive performances, she fought against Kanako Murata. Kanako is a decorated Japanese wrestler. I mean, she was like a silver medal, placed silver medalist in the Junior Olympics for Japan. Yeah, she's a lead level wrestler. Badass wrestler. She goes in, arm bars her, but doesn't just arm bar her because Kanako's not going out. She literally dislocates her arm. Right. And, and that's how that fight ended, was... Um, damn near breaking her arm. Virna's tough, man. She's super aggressive. She's very technical, as you see here. She's going to slowly inch her way up. She's going to position you. She's going to hit you with some ground and pound, and then she's going to get the submission. So this is just a big fight, and she she lost to Mackenzie Dern. So Amanda beat Mackenzie. She lost to uh, Marina Rodriguez. Virna lost to, to Mackenzie, but has been winning and climbing the rankings herself as well. So this is a big fight for that reason. I mean, both of these ladies are, are, can easily break into the top, into the top five easily. They're, they're equally very talented women. So this is a big fight. I'm really excited for this fight. 
Virna personally, I met her over at Invicta. She was, she's so humble. I mean, she's a beast, but she's also another one of those sweet, humble people. Like she let my niece hold her belt after she, she just armbarred a girl for That's it. That's awesome. And so, uh, both of these ladies, they're, they're amazing, you know, and they're just some, this is going to be a great straw weight fight. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, uh, the history that you have with, with Verna. I called her Invicta fights and, you know, th- there are athletes that come over and they're undefeated and they hadn't fought stateside yet. And when there are regional undefeated fighters, it's hard to really understand if they fought really solid competition or if their record may be uh, a bit padded because they might be fighting beasts who are also just, you know, one and one, uh, you know, one and oh type of fighters. And for uh, Vierna, when she came in, she steamrolled Amy Montenegro, which mm-hmm. you can watch, by the way, on, on mm-hmm. Fight Pass. And then she fought a very tough Janessa Moranjan and, and won the title. She beat Mizuki. Like, she is very technical and someone that you can just sit back and watch and appreciate her jujitsu. It's truly, truly elite. And you mentioned, you know, when she came over into the UFC and, and, you know, really handled a a veteran in Felice Herrig, um, you know, she's top shelf. Yeah. She's got two arm bars in the UFC. That shows how impressive her grappling is. So I believe in this fight, Amanda will have the advantage on the feet. I think that she's got great striking. She's long, She's got great movement, good Muay Thai. You can watch her here. I mean, she she outpositioned Mackenzie Dern and just and, and everywhere. Mackenzie really couldn't do anything because she was just unable to to land any strikes. Or and every time she came in, she was immediately tossing her and utilizing her judo. And, and that's and another so that's thing what, too, real quick uh, about Mackenzie Dern. I understand she's a grappler pearl, but like she's she's difficult for a lot of people to sort of handle on the feet as well. She's not someone that is going to necessarily like go tit for tap with you in, in a striking game, but she's also not someone that you can get super comfortable with because she is so unorthodox. So the way that Hebos handled her, I, I think was was super impressive. So impressive, and you're right, uh, Mackenzie is unorthodox, but she packs power and she's put several girls down with her power. And so I think that that is what makes this fight interesting because she was able to pick her apart slowly. Amanda did here. And and then when Mackenzie came in, who is the, an elite level grappler. I mean, she was th- used her judo and was throwing her all over the place and just was able to, to really stalemate the jujitsu. And there you go. You see her personality. She's adorable. Um, and you, you know, so this fight is so exciting for those reasons. I do believe that, as you can see, look at the way she, her ability to roll through, to feel your body, and, and also get submissions herself. Um, I do believe she's going to have the advantage on the feet. I think that Vierna uh, can have the advantage on the ground. I think she's going to come in and be strong, can hold you down, can slowly inch her way up, land some ground and pound, and position you to where she can she can potentially get a submission. So this is this is a really really good fight, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top on this one. It might be one of those fights that could potentially win fight of the night, performance of the night. So make sure you uh, yeah. are uh, tuned in early. And I know it's hard. It, it's going to be one of those early, early uh, fight mornings where, you know, you're going to, you know, go to bed on Friday night and all of a sudden the first fight's going to be, mm. you know, starting before you even know it. But that that is definitely one. It is uh, to, to make sure you're there for it. It's a featured prelim. Uh, so make sure it's you are. It's only woman fight too. And, you know, women fights are exciting. So we I had to highlight that. Uh, because again, it's the only it's the only woman fight on this uh, on this card. 
Yeah, and it's it's a good one at it as well, and it's a reason it's in that uh, featured prelim uh, portion uh, of the night. All right, well, that pretty much does it for us, Pro Gonzalez. We are awesome. going to be back again, uh, extra rounds. Uh, we'll, we'll probably have something as far as post-fight is concerned uh, on Saturday as well, but you can definitely do the watch along with us and Little Evil, Jens Pulver, hanging out live on Twitch and uh, and YouTube. I'm, I'm excited. People are going to realize how much of a maniac uh, we are when we watch fights and aren't actually like calling them because I, I definitely become unglued at times when there's a lot of action going on. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm. I, I hope I can swear on this. Can I'm, I I'm pretty sure you can. can. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, pretty we sure need to can. make sure that. So if not, then I need to like really start preparing myself right now for that. Yeah, you might like just want to have like an apple nearby just to like. Chew on something? Yes, exactly. Like, okay. Have an apple instead of swear, but I, I think you're good. Are you really gonna wear a bikini? Okay. I mean, I'm really con- contemplating. Uh, the last time I wore a bikini to watch Fight Island, and it was fun. I mean, it's freezing. It's freezing here, but uh, I think it'd be a good show. Why not? All right. Well, good to know. Um, <laughs> good to know. I guess. I guess people have to tune in to figure it out, right? Yeah, it's suspense. That's right. Ooh, this is the suspense. Yes. Exactly. There we go. All right, Pearl. Appreciate everything. Thanks for coming up with new words. That's always fun. Yeah. I forgot what they were already. Uh, elus- elusivity? Uh, elusivity. Elusivity right? Right. is the word. Yeah. Not to be it's confused with lucidity, which is a completely different word, which I don't even yeah, know what I that means. I have no idea what that word means. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's all right. But el- elusivity means to be elusive and in the moment. All right. That's the meaning of it. Good. I can't, right. I can't wait for that Pearl Gonzalez dictionary to hit a bookshelf near you. You guys, thank you for a great night. Looking forward to these fights Saturday. All right, we'll talk to you later, Pearl. Bye, TJ. There she is, Pearl Gonzalez, joining me here on Extra Rounds uh, each and every time. Uh, don't forget, if you uh, miss any part of the show, you can check it out uh, on the archive and the podcast and all that fun business. There's some house cleaning to take care of, uh, get you primed for some other action heading your way live on UFC Fight Pass starting tomorrow. Definitely some stuff you need to make sure you do not miss because while all the action goes down early on Saturday, there's some action headed your way tomorrow, which is Friday. For more info on that, we'll get it for you right now. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. We told you at the top it was going to be a great show. Look, Fuck, we don't lie to you. Look at this. What the- oh! Matt has noticed that I am also bald. I gotta move my camera because you look like Cyclops when you move back. Dustin, look, he's he's matured into a great fighter. The biggest bank heist in the history of the world, you're not surprised. He was fearless. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters.
it. Referee stops it. Riley Hummer. So much action for you right here on UFC Fight Pass. Obviously, the UFC is headed your way on Saturday, and there's prelims and all that fun business. But uh, Friday, stuff for you to tune into. It starts with UAE Warriors going down at 7 a.m. Pacific time. That is 10 a.m. Eastern. And then you got Fury Pro Grappling, a.k.a. 18. If you haven't yet, step into our world. Sign up today over at UFC Fight Pass and uh, tune in. The largest combat sports library in the world today. And uh, other original programming like Fight Lore and uh, the entire archive of Extra Rounds also available for you over there on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, something else to be aware of. Let me actually uh, turn down this music so you can hear my dulcet tones on uh, Daniel Kelly here. Turn this down a little bit. Daniel Kelly! There is that! Danielle Kelly in action coming up. Uh, I've, I've had to uh, call some of her fights, her grappling matches, uh, part of EBI as well as uh, Quintet. And let's just lay out here. Watch this bout with Cynthia Calvillo, myself and Eddie Bravo on the call. This from December of 2019. She got a sheet of coming in. Now on a leg. Goes Kelly. Immediately with the straight ankle lock. She's got it in deep. It's over. That's a tap. Daniel Kelly. How about that? Just taking care of Cynthia Colvio in seconds. Daniel Kelly wrapping up that uh, leg lock on Quintet Ultra. Um, you know, she's a grappling phenom. Hasn't, you know, made the transition over to mixed martial arts yet, but definitely is must-see TV. And if you have not seen Danielle Kelly, there's no better time than right now. Well, tomorrow uh, on Fury Grappling. Make sure uh, you check that out. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, not the only sort of UFC standout that she's taken care of. Uh, Danielle Kelly also took care of Roxanne Modafferi, who is also another high-level uh, grappler, even even more so than, say, Cynthia Calvillo when it comes to straight uh, grappling. Calvillo, you know, high-level mixed martial artist, um, but was sort of forced to step in uh, and take on Danielle Kelly, actually because Danielle Kelly is supposed to fight Pearl Gonzalez, who got hurt. Uh, so Calvillo stepped up, and Danielle Kelly took care of her, but again, also took care of Roxanne Modafferi. Bottom line is if you don't know who Cynthia Calvillo is or uh, Daniel Kelly is, uh, please do yourself a favor and uh, tune in. You can see her part of Fury Grappling again tomorrow uh, along with some other action headed your way. UAE Warriors uh, and uh, AKA 18. Again, step into our world. UFCFightPass.com. Sign up. It's the biggest no-brainer in all of combat sports. And as I mentioned, you can get access to all of our shows from Extra Rounds. Coming up on 100. I think episode 100 might be next week when we're in New York. I'm really excited for that. Um, So hopefully you'll join us for that. But also, again, join us for that watch along with Jens Pulver and Pearl and myself live on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, It all starts at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So... That's that. Hopefully you are primed and ready for UFC 267. Two title fights coming your way. Uh, you got that light heavyweight title tilt between the champ, Jan Blahovich taking on Glover Teixeira. One of the best stories going in, in mixed martial arts today. Interim Bantamweight crown on the line when the former champion, Peter Jan, hopes to 
recapture championship glory when he takes on Corey Sandhagen for the interim title. It is going to be fun to say the least. Again, watch it. It is free, essentially, for you. Not a pay-per-view. And uh, you can watch along with us live on Twitch and YouTube. For Pearl Gonzalez, I'm TJ DeSantis. It's been Extra Rounds right here on UFC Fight Pass. We'll chat soon. This concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.